Father, you are sovereign. Jesus, you are Savior. Holy Spirit, you are comforter. We welcome Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into this church, into this room, into this service, into our hearts. Have your will and way. We enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. Inhabit the praises of your people. God, we lift you up. We give you honor. In Jesus' name and only through Jesus can we come boldly to your throne and we do that now. Amen and amen. You may be seated. We are going to worship through giving now. There's numbers of ways to worship. And the slide will show you how you can give through many ways electronically. There's also offering boxes as you leave today. But as you give today and as you worship through giving, be aware that you are supporting ministries like the Great Exchange that we saw that video. You're supporting the nations represented on that map where there's our icon on the places in the world where we have people serving. And you're ministering to people like Chance Luther. And I want you to hear his testimony. Good morning, everybody. I shared my testimony this morning with the first service, so I want to, I want y'all to hear on this too. I want to introduce myself. I've been attending Living Hope Church now for seven months. I was raised in a Baptist church my whole life, so church isn't anything new to me, but it's something that's become more real to me. My name is Chance Luther. I'm 23 years old. I was born and raised here in Athens, Georgia. For those of you who may be wondering, I'm the young man mentioned in my brother Otis's testimony from last week. Having been raised in church my whole life was something that I just went through the emotions of doing. I went because my parents took me. It ended there. I never truly walked with Christ outside of a Sunday morning service. Pray, read the Bible, worship, etc. I sat in church my whole life lost. I come from a long line of sinners, a generational curse, full of addictions and problems. I'm the first to even graduate high school, just to give you an idea. The devil's been trying to take me out since an early age of six, when my innocence and purity was stolen by a family member who exposed herself to me inappropriately. Life was going by pretty smooth up until five years ago, when everything came crashing down. It started when my dad gave up the good fight and became a drug addict. At a young age, I was forced into trying to be a husband to my mom and a dad to my sister. At the same time, friends walking out of my life, a broken engagement, a friend who almost took his life due to a battle with depression, and then having my best friend pass away shortly after his 20th birthday. I was going through more than I could handle. Trying to find my purpose in life and fill the emptiness and the voids, I turned to alcohol and drugs to numb the pain. All the while becoming a heavy alcoholic at, the, at an early age. I was involved in sexual immorality. I had a raging temper full of anxiety and depression. I even got to the point of wanting to take my own life because sin full grown leads to death, James 1.15. And the, and the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10.10. 10. 
April 12, 2019 was the worst and best day of my life. Due to intoxication, I lost control of my vehicle and had an accident that should have killed the passenger that was with me. That night at the lowest, at my lowest point, the only place left to look was up. I cried out to the Lord to save me, and he saved me. God instantly took away the desire for alcohol and drugs, because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I want to share with you right quick a before and after picture of me. This was me about a year and a half ago. And then I want to show you the new picture of me. <laughs> it's amazing what God can do to a man on the outside, but let me tell you, what he can do to you on the inside can, it, it, it's, it's so farther more. And, he, and our God's so good, he can even make us not look like what we've been through. <laughs> so, for once in a long time, I had a feeling of hope and life again. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 I decided to pick up the Bible that my friend's mom gave me when her son died for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God Romans 10 17 I remembered her saying that her hopes of giving out the Bible to the friends was that through his death someone might find Jesus and would get saved I never imagined that later down the road it was going to be me I had the opportunity to hug her neck and share with her the things I'm sharing with y'all today and let her know that that one person she hoped for was me as I started my relationship with Christ and began at Living Hope as a fresh start, God started changing me from the inside out. He removed old friends, desires, and habits. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, Romans 12, 2. He gave me a new mind and a new heart. I started becoming a new creation. I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me, Galatians 2:20. As I began my sanctification process, I recently discovered my purpose and my calling. God has laid on my heart to become a preacher. God uses the broken to bring glory to him. I'm a wounded healer. No one is ever too far gone for the Lord to use you. We don't have to continue living in the shadow of who we used to be. At my weakest point in life, I was actually the strongest. The scripture says, let the weak say I'm strong. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 5.3, we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. It's the hard times that strengthen us and make us who we are. Sometimes the weak become the strong. For whoever it may be that's hurting and feeling like giving up, my hope and prayer is that you'll be encouraged and keep pressing on. Remembering that we're not fighting these earthly battles, but we're fighting for eternity and for the kingdom of God. In this world, you will have trials and tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, John 16, 33. And I just want to encourage y'all to spend time in worship. We come together on Sunday for corporate worship and one accord with each other. But let's, let's not let it end there. Let's, during the week on our own time in our prayer closet on a walk out in nature let's spend time with God we'll discover more of his attributes and see how much he really loves us 
And friends, don't stop dancing. Believe you can fly. Love you, man. Yeah. All right, y'all can stay standing. We'll just go right into our scripture reading, Psalm 95. Psalm 95, turn your Bibles. I encourage you to bring your paper Bibles to church so you can mark them up. We'll dismiss our children in a minute. We're going to save more musical worship for after the message today. Sometimes we do this. When the message lends itself toward worship, we flip the service. So don't think we're not going to sing more. And as you're turning, I just want to celebrate today not only what God's doing in Chance's life, but uh, as you heard on the Great Exchange video, four people saved at UGA this week through the Great Exchange. Two weeks ago, a woman was saved because one of you went out and did what I encouraged in the message, shared the little gospel tracts. She gets saved, immediately gets plugged into our Transformational Discipleship Module 1 group. Perfect timing. And then one of our teenagers got saved this week in the Wednesday night youth program here. So I want to tell you, the dark, yeah. The darkness in our nation is getting darker, but the light shining in that darkness is getting brighter. Psalm 95 O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are His also. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. God, we ask now that you would anoint your word, that we would become greater worshipers because of what we hear. Anoint this time now, we pray. We receive this. We open our hearts. We long for you to move in our midst. So be free to, room, to, to, to reign and rule in this room for the glory of the Lamb who was slain, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Right, children ages three years through fifth grade that wish to go to children's church, you're dismissed out that door there. You can go get paper notes in the lobby if you want. Otherwise, go to our app, bring up the sermon notes. They're right there on the app. You can email them to yourself. Well, today I begin a four-week series on worship. Today, Psalm 95. The next two Sundays, Jonathan Kilgore, our new worship pastor, and I will have a conversation about worship. And then week four, Jonathan is going to preach on the power of praise and worship to defeat Satan and demons. Beloved, this is an important topic. Four of the Ten Commandments have to do with worship. You shall worship only the Lord God. You shall have no other gods. Commandment number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not worship other things besides God which become idols. Commandment number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain, but instead worship the name of Jesus. 
Commandment number four, you shall honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy, a day devoted to rest and worship when God's people come together to worship Him. Psalm 29 and 2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. The Bible says that the chief occupation of heaven is worship. 1 Chronicles 16 says, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. John chapter 4, Jesus says, The Father seeks those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12 that we are to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That has to do with worship. In Acts chapter 2, the early church, among all the things that it said they did, it says they were praising God, and He was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Worship exalts the living God. Worship lifts the human spirit. Worship unites the people of God, and worship causes demons to flee. Now, we are made to worship. And if we don't worship God, we will worship something. Some will worship a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Some will worship money or sex or drugs. But we are called and commanded and created to worship the Lord God. So what is worship? Here's a simple definition. Worship is adoring and devoting yourself to something. That may be God. It should be God. But if it's not, because we are made to worship, we will inevitably worship something other than God if it's not God. Now, in this passage, I want you to see the flow and the repetition of three key phrases. O come, let us, for. O come is an invitation from God. This is mentioned twice in this chapter. Then let us is mentioned six times. Four times for praise, two times for worship. O come, let us, let us, talks about community, that we are to do this not only individually, but together. We talked a few weeks ago about the value of the local church, the value of gathering together. It is a command of God. It is important. And here we see this communal, plural, let us do something together. And then the reason we are to do this is the word for or because. Now, we're going to see a progression here in Psalm 95. From praise to worship to the Word. This is a pattern that we often will follow in our service. We begin with praise, and then we move to worship, and then we are ready to receive the Word. So it's praise God in the first seven verses, then it's, oh, come let us bow down and worship, and then he says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Praise to worship to the Word. So let's begin with praise. Point number one is God is worthy of our praise. Every point today is, begins with this phrase, God is worthy. Because ultimately, praise and worship is about who God is and His worth or value. The word worship comes from the old English word, worth-ship. It's declaring God's worth and value. So beloved, the key to praise and worship is understanding God accurately. Because if you understand who He is accurately then your response will be appropriate if you see him as he truly is. And so with all of this today, it is about the nature of God, the works of God, the character of God, the attributes of God. For your worship and mine to be what it should be, we must accurately understand the nature and the attributes of God. I'm beginning a 31-day devotional with a number of men on the YouVersion Bible app, and it's 31 days on the attributes of God. 
So important that we understand who he is. And so there'll be a day on his sovereignty. There'll be a day on his holiness. There'll be a day on his grace and mercy and faithfulness and anger and wrath and judgment and justice. All of those are attributes of our God. How well do you know God? If your worship is not what it should be, I submit to you it's because you don't know God for who he truly is. One of the best things you can do to improve your worship is study the nature and the attributes of God. He is worthy of praise. Now, I believe there's a difference between praise and worship. And I believe we see it in this passage. The first five verses have to do with praise. Praise, listen, is more celebratory. It's more expressive. It's more vibrant. It's clapping and shouting and dancing and lifting your hands and just getting fired up about what God has done and who he is. And then worship is more reverent and quiet, which you see beginning at verse 6 when it talks about falling down, bowing down, and kneeling. So we start here with praise. And look at these verses as I just walk you through them. They'll be on the screen. Let us sing to the Lord. Music is a big part of praise. Music and sing unto the Lord a new song. Psalm 150 with stringed instruments and trumpets and loud cymbals and on and on. The Bible talks about music being such a huge part of praise and worship. So here we're talking about praise, singing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. In the NIV it says, let us shout loud to, to the rock of our salvation. Who's the rock of our salvation? Jesus. Here we have in the Old Testament another foretelling of the Savior. For the only way you and I can be saved is through Jesus Christ. He's the rock in 1 Peter. He's the rock of our salvation. Only through his blood can we be saved. Only by the name of Jesus can we be saved. Only by his death and resurrection can we be saved. Jesus is the one who opened a new way in Hebrews 4 and says he can bring us into the Holy of Holies. He's the one that tore the veil asunder so we could go into the very presence of God. Only by his blood. Only by his name. Only by his death and resurrection. He is the rock of our salvation. So all of this is about relationship. You can't praise, you can't worship if, if you don't have a relationship with God. Do you know God? Do you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Then he says, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of what? Praise. See, this is praise. Then we're going to move to worship. Now, this come into his presence reminds us of the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament. Everything in the Old Testament is ultimately foretelling and pointing to Jesus. And here we have a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. For in the tabernacle you had a gate or a fence, then you had the outer courts, and then the covered area is the Holy of Holies. In the temple you had something very similar, where you had the literal gates, then you had the outer courts, the inner courts, and the holy of holies. What does Psalm 100 tell us? It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So in your time with God, follow this pattern. You begin with thanksgiving. 
Best way to start your time with God is with thanksgiving. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes off your circumstances. Get your focus off your feelings. And come with thanksgiving. Thank Him for everything you can think of. And then you come into His courts with what? Praise. Praise Him for what He has done. Praise Him for His greatness. Begin to sing unto the Lord a new song. I had the privilege in the early 80s of being in the home of Leonard Ravenhill for three hours. Leonard Ravenhill was a revivalist, an anointed author. He had spoken a number of times at Watkinsville First Baptist when I was a college student. And so I was driving out to Texas to visit Southwestern Seminary, and this was back in the day when you could literally stop at a phone booth, put in a quarter, look in the phone directory, and find a name, even a famous person like Leonard Ravenhill. We looked up his name and found him and called him. He said, anybody from Watkinsville First Baptist Church, Dr. Charles Stewart, the pastor at the time, is a friend of mine, y'all come on over. Oh my gosh, I was salivating. I was freaking out. For three hours, I got to sit at the feet of Leonard Ravenhill in his living room, and he said something there I will never forget. He said, prayer is preoccupation with our needs. We have a need, and we come in prayer, and we ask God to help us. Praise is preoccupation with God's blessings, and worship is preoccupation with God. So you begin with prayer. Get your needs out there, and then praise is preoccupation with His blessings. That would also involve thanks. And then worship, you're just preoccupied with who he is, and sometimes you're just speechless, laid prostrate before him in adoration and worship. And so here we're talking about that element of praise. Praise is a great way to come into God's presence. Then look at verses 3 and 5. Why do we do this? So we have, O come, let us, for. Here's the for, or because. Because the Lord is a great God. He's the great king above all gods. Little g. If we don't worship big g God, we will inevitably worship little g gods, and that ain't good. In his hand. Okay, now, you're going to see this idea of his hands come up again, so keep that in the back of your mind. This is very important. In his hand are the depths of the earth. Think about everything on the earth that's below ground level. The soil, the roots of trees and plants, the ocean depths. They're in his hand. He created them. And the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. Beloved, I hope this doesn't offend anybody. He made it, not evolution, not billions of years. He made it. He spoke it into existence. Happened like that. In his hands, plural, he formed the dry land. <laughs> he shaped the continents. And he said, this ocean's going to go here. Here's Africa and Asia and North America. And he shaped it all. He shaped it all. And now with our amazing things that we can put into space, and you look at the earth in comparison to the galaxies, and it's so small, isn't it? Seems so big to us, but it's so small. And God made it, and God formed it, and God fashioned it. <laughs> His hands formed the dry land. And in Genesis 2-7, it says, He formed man 
from the dust of the earth. Look at some of these pictures of God's amazing creation that He spoke into existence. He fashioned, He formed the mountain peak. What is man that you should be mindful of Him? He knows every fish of the sea. He knows every whale and shark and dolphin. One of my greatest worship experiences was, was snorkeling off the coast of Belize, the second largest barrier reef in the world. And I saw colors and fish like were unbelievable. Colors that man could never produce the brilliance of. This is our God. Worthy of praise. Now I'd like you to turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Just go a few books to the right from Psalms. Isaiah chapter 40. This week I was so moved by this reference to God's hands that I got my blue letter Bible app and just, you know, to search for hands of the Lord. God's hands. The hand of the Lord. So I can't wait to keep doing that study. Maybe that's my next book. I don't know. But in Isaiah 40, verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? <laughs> Hold out your hand. Look at that little hollow. That's that little, you know, you can cup your hand. God holds in his hand <laughs> the waters of the earth, all the oceans and streams and lakes. He can hold in the hollow of his hand. Beloved, he's big enough to help you with any need you have. And he's marked off the heavens with a span. He's enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure. He's weighed the mountains in scales. He can take out his eternal scale and put all the mountains on him. And the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught God the path of justice? And taught him knowledge? Does God need to consult with anybody to learn anything? How foolish is the thought of that? And showed him the way of understanding. Behold. Behold. Hold this. Behold. The nations. Think of all the nations over there on that map. Are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as dust on the scale. The nations, like a drop in a bucket to God. Beloved, He is worthy of praise. He is the great God. He's the mighty God. And He not only created all that, He created you. He knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows your thoughts. He knows when you rise and when you go to bed. His thoughts toward you, the Bible says, are as vast as the sands of the sea. That's our God, worthy of praise. Now, point number two, we move to worship. God is worthy of our worship. Worth-ship. I've often text, talk-texted the word worship. And often it comes up, worship. W-A-R-S-H-I-P. I think it's prophetic. Because worship is our weapon of warfare. That's what Jonathan will deal with in a few weeks. 
God is worthy of our worship. So in verses 6 to 7, again, O come, let us for. Here it is. O come, let us worship and bow down. So notice now, it's, it's more quiet, reverent, reflective. So praise, again, more celebratory, more expressive, more exuberant. Now worship is more bowing down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our what? Maker. Who created you? God did. Did you evolve from slimy algae over billions of years? No. God is your maker. And then the four is the why we do this. For he's our God. So let's flesh this out even more. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. We saw Jesus earlier in Rock of Our Salvation. Does this remind you of something you know from the New Testament? John chapter 10. Jesus said, I'm the great shepherd. And my people are like sheep in my pasture. And so here we see relationship, personal relationship with God, where we are a sheep and he's our shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? A shepherd leads them to quiet waters. A shepherd leads them to green pastures where they can be fed and nourished. A, a shepherd takes a, an injured lamb and puts oil on it for healing. A shepherd goes after lost sheep, wayward sheep, leaves the 99 to go after the one. A shepherd, if, if necessary, it grieves his heart to do it, but he will discipline his sheep. He will break their leg at times, put them on his neck, and bring them back for healing in order to discipline them because they continually go wayward. This is our great, good shepherd. Once again, the Old Testament, pointing to Jesus. We are the sheep of his people, of his pasture. And then, look at this, the sheep of his hand. See, this is why he's worthy of worship. Now, sheep of his hand. Remember I told you earlier, we saw God's hands at work. And now it gets really personal. So let me remind you on the screen of what we've seen about God's hand. Look at this. In his hand, I'd never seen this till this week, folks, and I've preached Psalm 95 before, I've read Psalm 95 numerous times, never have I seen the three uses of hand until this week. In his hand are the depths of the earth. His hands form the dry land. And then it gets ultra-personal. We are the sheep of his hand. This mighty hand of God that created the universe, shaped the nations, holds in it the, the, the rivers and oceans of the earth, also has in it you, if you're a child of God. We, you, if saved, are sheep in his hand. What a picture of God's greatness and personalness. Think about what hands do. Hold, hold out your hands. Look at your hands. Imagine them to be God's hands. 
And it just reminds me that hands guide. Hands instruct, illustrate things. I'm, I, you, I use my hands a lot. You know that. It, it's teaching. It's illustrating. Hands come along and, and give encouragement and hugs and hold you when needed. Hands will just pat you on the back at times and say, proud of you, great job. So thankful for you being obedient to me. Hands will at times, if necessary, spank us. Out of love, Hebrews 12. He disciplines those whom he loves. We get wayward. We get out of his will. His hands at times may need to just pull us in or spank us and discipline us. Hands heal. Hands come and nurture and comfort and heal those places in our lives that are broken. Hands will sometimes lead one believer to go to another believer. <laughs> this person needs your help. This person needs your encouragement. Go to them. Hands bring together. I need you and I want you to be together in this small group. Hands orchestrate sovereignly circumstances in our lives to mold and shape us into his nature. Beloved, I hope today you see this amazing picture of God that he's great and mighty and uses his hands to form and fashion the universe, and yet you are in his hand. John chapter 10, listen, Jesus says in John 10, 28, no one can snatch you out of my hand. <laughs> and he also says no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. So you're secure in the Father's hand, you're secure in the Son's hand, and Ephesians 1.13 says you're sealed with the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption if you're saved. That, my friend, is security. You tell me you can lose your salvation with those truths. Uh-uh. Nothing can snatch you out of the Father's hand. Nothing can snatch you out of the Son's hand. And you're sealed with the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption. That's called security. And that results in worship. God, you're so worthy. God, you're so worthy. You created the universe and you created me and you called me to be your child. You put your Holy Spirit inside of me that now I'm called a temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't have to go to the temple. I don't have to go to the tabernacle. You live inside of me. I am a walking worshiper because you live inside of me and I want to live in your presence and I want to stay in fellowship with you and I don't want to miss anything you have for me. God, you are worthy of worship. And so that leads to the final point, because here's the ultimate response of what we've seen. God is worthy of, here we're going to get more personal, my heart, your heart. And this is found in verse 7d today, if you hear his voice. Verse 8, do not harden your heart, as at Meribah, as on the day of Massah in the wilderness. What was going on there in Exodus 17? You can read about it. God had delivered them out of Egypt. God had brought them across the Red Sea. And what do they do? They forget and they start complaining. Don't we do that? They start complaining because they don't have this or that. They get selfish. They get impatient. And they're complaining despite the fact that God had brought them out of Egypt with that Passover lamb. Brought them across the Red Sea with his mighty hand. And then they, they start complaining and murmuring 
And thus their hearts began to get calloused, hard. And so what this says to us is that God wants our heart to stay tender. Forget not any of His benefits. Continue to be a thankful people, a praiseful people, a worshipful people, lest your heart get hard. A hard heart, a calloused heart is one that that resists the voice of God, refuses the voice of God. It doesn't stay tender and palatable. The reason this young man is experiencing the changes is because his heart is becoming more tender. For many years he sits in a church and he hears the word, but he doesn't respond. That's a hard heart. But by the grace of God and through the loving, disciplined hands of the Lord, God puts him on a path of some difficulty. But I loved his line. It was the worst and best day of my life. And some of you, God is doing some things to bring you to surrender. You've been resisting. You've had other gods. You, the voice of God, people in your life, he's been knocking on your door and you've not been responding. You're here today, you're listening online. This is a sovereign move of God. God is a loving hound of heaven. He's a loving hound of heaven. He's coming after you because he created you to know him. He created you to worship him. And when you worship him, you experience your destiny. So it's so important, our heart response to God. Where is your heart today? You know. Come on, be honest. You can fool the best of them. Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says, You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. In vain have you worshipped me. See, we can give lip service to God. We can say all the right things. We can go through the motions. But if our heart is not surrendered and right with God, it is vain worship. God wants your heart. Your heart is the deepest part of who you are. And so I want to conclude with having us turn to Romans chapter 12, because in Romans 12, we see an aspect of worship that is really deeper and broader than anything in all of Scripture. You all know Romans well, because we just went through 34 messages on Romans. If you've just joined us, you can go back and check our podcast out or our YouTube channel and get those messages. But we spent 34 weeks in the book of Romans, one of the greatest books of the New Testament. And in Romans 12, verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore. So he's appealing to us. He's, he, it's like that, oh, come, let us. <laughs> therefore is everything preceding this, and it's all about salvation in Jesus. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. His mercies are new every day. Aren't you glad? It's not just one mercy. There's a plural here. Last I checked in the English language. Mercies. There's mercies for today. There's mercies for tomorrow. He has displayed his mercies in numerous ways by the mercies of God. So our response to God is all based on his amazing mercy. And because of that, he says, here's what I want you to do. Present. That means bring before, like you present a present. Present your bodies. That's, that's your life, your, your wholeness, your heart. Bring your, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, you know what the problem with living sacrifices is. They get off the altar. <laughs> When the, when the lamb or the animal's still alive, you put them on the altar, they don't want to be killed, so they jump off. Don't we do the same? We jump off the altar. <laughs> we don't stay surrendered. We jump off because we don't like to die until we learn that death is the best thing that can happen. Because when we die, that's when he can raise us up. That's when he can do new things. So he wants us to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is what? Your spiritual what? Worship. 
So here, beloved, this takes us full circle. Ultimate worship is a life surrendered to God. Worship is, yes, musical. Yes, there's huge components of music involved in worship. Prayer, coming together and doing what we do on Sunday mornings. Yes, that's all part of biblical worship. But I'll tell you where worship occurs even more than in this room is out there. (laughs) When you live for Jesus out there, that's an act of worship. Young mother, when you change that baby's diaper, that's an act of worship. Father, when you go to work and faithfully provide for your family and do that diligently as under the Lord, that's an act of worship. When you resist temptation and choose not to look at that porn site, that's an act of worship. Here's what I say. Anything outside of a willful act of sin or disobedience, if you're in communion with God, is an act of worship. Studying for that test, being faithful in school, college student, that's an act of worship. Eating your lunch today, if you're in communion with God, is an act of worship. Whether in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. So let me conclude with five practical suggestions. This is not in the notes, nor is there a slide for this, so write this down. Just five ways to enhance your personal worship and our corporate worship. We'll be fleshing this out more and more in the weeks to come. Number one, study the character of God. Study his attributes. Study his nature. Because when you study the nature of God, it will lead you to greater praise and worship. Number two, seek his face more than his hands. When you spend time with God, make sure you don't just come seeking his hands, what he can do for you. And he loves to get his hands working for you. Don't don't, don't, don't mistake this. It's not an either or. He loves blessing and providing and helping his people in time of need. But before you start asking for things, how about just focusing on his face? Just who he is. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his course with praise. Just begin by spending time seeking his face. Number three, use music. Use music to worship. Play a praise song in your personal times with God. Play worship music when you're driving to work or whatever. Music has power. God inhabits the praises of his people. So use music privately, and you know we'll have music here. Number four, worship with others. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some, Hebrews 10. Three weeks ago, I talked about the value of the local church, what characterizes a legitimate local church. And so this communion, coming together like we do today, is so important. Make this a part of the rhythm of your life. Don't disobey that Sabbath principle. And five, and this is going to stretch some of you, grow in worship by trying new things. Grow in worship by trying new things. You guys know, we just, added a, we just brought on Jonathan Kilgore as our worship pastor. Okay, I'm going to do some shepherding here, so please, don't take notes now. Just watch, look at my eyes, please. I love you, and I want us as a church to go deeper in worship. And we just brought on Jonathan Kilgore as our new worship pastor, and with that is going to come some new things, okay? Some things that may not be comfortable for some of you. Grow in worship by trying new things. I personally believe that there's at least 100,000 different ways to worship God, even musically. I would like to personally experience a few hundred of those before I get to heaven. And so I need to be willing to be stretched. I need to be willing to be brought out of my comfort zone. 
And, and so here's the mistake we make as the body of Christ, especially in churches. We all have our preferences. I get that. We all listen to different radio stations. So we all have our musical preferences. But when we come together, let's be willing to focus on God and not make the focus the style of music. Okay? Because one thing I can guarantee you here at Living Hope is each week will be different. And that's on purpose. Because we want to stretch you. And, and Jonathan will lead twice a month, but then we'll have other people leading. And each person that leads will have their own style and their own approach. And that's good. Because here's a thought that occurred to me this week. I've never had this thought before. Do we not want sermons that stretch you and make you uncomfortable? One of the greatest compliments I get from people is, Pastor David, that, that sermon, it made me uncomfortable. It was kind of hard to hear, but it did me a lot of good. I had a professor at Trinity, D.A. Carson. He had this great quote. He says, preach to bring comfort to the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. To bring comfort to the afflicted. Those who are afflicted, they're hurting, comfort them. But the comfortable who need to kind of be jabbed in the side a little bit and you know, made uncomfortable so that they'll grow, bring affliction to them. Well, if we would say that's good preaching that stretches us and makes us uncomfortable in order to grow, then why would that not apply to worship? Hmm. Why would that not apply to corporate worship? That sometimes things that would be done here and out there might not be comfortable for you, but it's good for you to be stretched in order to expand your rubber band of worship. <laughs> to expand your bungee cord of worship experience. Not expand so much that it breaks <laughs> or whips back and hits you in the head. But we, we need to be willing to be stretched and to grow because our great God can be worshipped in so many different ways. Worship team, if you'd come up now, we're going to go into a time of musical worship. And I want to encourage you to really look at where is your heart. If you're not saved today, receive Jesus. Receive the gift of salvation. Yield and surrender your heart to God. If you are saved, but you know there's some areas of your life that are not right with God, let this time of worship be a time of repentance, where you repent of those things. Bring them to God for fresh forgiveness. And then allow His healing, empowerment come upon you. If you're here today and, man, you're just walking with God, and you're hungry, and you want to be all that He's called you to be, then you're ready to just come right in and worship in spirit and truth. Let me close with this. Yesterday, I wrote this in my journal. I'm being very transparent. I'm preaching on worship tomorrow. I'm very humbled to do this. It's a bit of a daunting task. What do you want shared, Lord? And then I just began to write what I felt the Holy Spirit was saying, and this is what I wrote. That I created worship as a means for my people to have their eyes, heart, and emotion fixed on me. The one who loves them supremely, desires the utmost closeness with them, and has all resources available to help them with any need they have. I do not want my people plagued by fear and anxiety and turmoil over their problems and the evil around them. 
I want them to be able to rise above all that. And worship is the way to do just that. By shifting their focus from self to the sovereign one, from the world to the way maker, from sin to the savior, from failures to the forgiving one, then they will be able to experience true love, joy, and peace. The fruit of the spirit. The fruit of worshiping in spirit and in truth. The truth of who I am will set you free to worship. Worship and experience love. Worship and experience joy. Worship and experience peace. This is what I long for. And this is why I created worship. Father, we love you and praise you. We declare that you are worthy. God, your nature is so vast. Your nature is so beautiful. Your nature is inexhaustible. We'll never fully grasp your nature. But we praise you that you have given revelation. And that in Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead. Now, God, I pray the Holy Spirit be uniquely released in this room. Those watching online, that we would enter your gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise, that we would fall down in worship. That every person here in this room, every person listening online, by a work of your sovereign grace, you would draw us to total, complete surrender. That today we would yield our heart and we'd say, God, here's my heart. Do with it as you please. God, would you, would you burn out the things that my heart longs for that are displeasing to you? Would you change my desires? Would you give me a greater hunger for you? Would you empower me to live more fully for you? And God, as we behold your glory today, we pray that we would be transformed from one degree of glory to the next by your spirit and for your glory. Let's stand together like our prayer team to please be available at the sides if anybody wants prayer wear your mask if you have that prayer time the altar is open during this time of musical worship if you just want to come and kneel and worship God here or if you feel a need to pray with somebody that is not on the prayer team just grab a friend or somebody and pray together this is just going to be a very free open time for us to commune with God